Good morning and welcome this All Saints Sunday to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. I invite you please to rise as you are able, turn and face the font. It's great to see you all here. A few things to share before we begin our service. First, as a gift to yourself and your neighbor, we invite you to silence your phones. This will be especially important today for this service of, uh, of remembrance and reflection. Second, we continue to follow COVID safety protocols, which means, among other things, if you choose to receive communion at the rail, please use hand sanitizer. I will be masked, and we will have both grape juice and wine available for you to receive by way of intinction. Finally, I'd like to take just a few moments of silence as we focus ourselves in the presence of God. We begin our service now with a brief order of confession and forgiveness as printed in your worship bulletin. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, the one who fashions us, the one who heals us, the one who reforms us again and again. Let us confess our sin as we seek love's transforming power. source of all life, we confess that we resist you and have not allowed your grace to set us free. We find ourselves too busy, too distracted. We hear your word of love freely given to us, yet we expect others to earn it. We turn the church inward rather than moving it outward. Reform us to be a church powered by love, willing to speak for what is right, Act for what is just and seek the healing of your whole creation. Amen. God hears our cry and sends the Spirit to change us and to empower our lives in the world. Your sins are forgiven. God's love is unconditional and we are raised up as God's people who will always be made new in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our processional hymn is Ye Watchers and Ye Holy Ones. ELW number 424, please turn now and face the chancel. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're first.
We continue with the apostolic greeting on page three of your service bulletin. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, in peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the reign of God and for peace throughout the world, for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For your people here who have come to give you praise, for the strength to live your word, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, and defend us, O God. Lord be with you. 
Let us pray. Merciful God, you have called us together into one communion as the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us follow the example of those who came before us, who trusted in you, and to know the inexpressible joys you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading is from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 3 and 15 through 18. The book of Daniel was written in the second century BCE when the Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes was severely persecuting the Jews. Daniel's vision of the four beasts proclaims that human kings will come and go, but the kingdom will ultimately belong to God and to God's people. A reading from the book of Daniel. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all of this. So he said that he would disclose to me the interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. A reading from the book of Daniel. Word of God, word of life.
The second reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. After giving thanks for the faith of the Ephesians, the writer of this letter prays that they might understand the wisdom, hope, and power of God that is embodied in Jesus Christ. A reading from the letter to the Ephesians. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. For above all rule and authority, and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Word of God, word of life. Please rise as you are able for the reading of the gospel. Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. 
Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that, I say to you that, listen, I love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, this lovely, beautiful, sunny Seattle day. It's so great to see you. Grace and peace to you from God, the source of life, and from Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. In the November edition of The Quill, our church newsletter, a copy of which you can, that is a new copy of which you can pick up now in the narthex or view online, Cantor Kyle invites us to sing boldly and believe more boldly still. Sing boldly. He does so in the spirit of the Reformation, which was our focus in forums and worship leading up to Reformation Sunday last week. It's clear our cantor knows his audience. Most of us will recognize sing boldly as an allusion to a quotation from Martin Luther, who told his friend and colleague Philip Melanchthon to sin boldly. This is why I love being in the Lutheran tradition. Look at the charge we're given. Sin boldly. But what did Luther mean? Here's the context. In 1521, Prince Frederick the Wise of Saxony had Luther kidnapped after the Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, condemned Luther for his refusal to recant his teachings. The scene, of course, is a famous one. Charles V gives Luther the opportunity to recant his teachings. Luther asks for a day to think about it. He comes back and at least according to legend says, here I stand, I can do no other earning for him what one of my professors in seminary used to call the papal prize for literature, which is typically burning at the stake. Not good. Luther lived in Frederick's territory, and as one biographer puts it, the prince did not want his most prized professor at the University of Wittenberg, Luther's hometown, to meet an untimely death as an outlaw of the Holy Roman Empire. And so, Frederick's men kidnapped Luther after his appearance before the emperor and tucked him away in a secluded castle until things would be safe for his return. Maybe some of you have visited it. It's called the Wartburg Castle in central Germany. I've been there a couple times. Inside, you'll see 
the whalebone that served as Luther's ottoman and uh, a desk holding an original copy of Luther's translation from the Greek to the German uh, New Testament, you'll also see a big hole in the wall. That's because 17th century Protestant tourists came through and chipped away at what they believed was the ink spot where Luther threw an inkwell at the devil. Unfortunately, these 17th century tourists didn't read Luther very closely. Luther said he threw ink at the devil, not an ink well, which suggests he was probably referring to his translation of the New Testament into the vernacular German. Luther's absence meant that Melanchthon, a professor of ancient languages whose gifts were much more suited for the classroom, was left in charge until Luther could return. Chaos, quite predictably, quickly ensued. Local advocates for church reform, including one of Luther's colleagues at the university, stirred up the townspeople by insisting that it was all or nothing. To make Christianity great again, they said, the celebration of the Catholic Mass was not only misguided, it needed to be recognized as sinful. Everything related to the Mass must therefore be destroyed, they said. The townspeople followed suit, ransacking everything from statues and stained glass windows to icons and altars. Melanchthon accordingly wrote a letter, now lost, to Luther, desperately seeking his advice, asking Luther to comment on the apparent sinfulness of Catholic practices, things such as celibacy, fasting, and the practice of receiving only the bread in the sacrament of Holy Communion. That's called communion in one, kind, uh, uh, in one kind. During the Middle Ages, the concern was that the wine was so holy as the blood of Christ that it could potentially be spilled by parishioners who came forward to receive. To avoid that blasphemy, the cup was withheld. Can we maintain the mass? Melanchthon wondered. By reinterpreting it then in light of the newly rediscovered gospel, that is the message that God claims us and frees us from having to earn God's love so that in gratitude we can go forth and serve our neighbor? Or must the mass be abandoned entirely? Sin boldly, Luther replied, as if to say, Philip, you must make difficult decisions concerning what to take out and what to leave. You will undoubtedly make mistakes in the process. Nevertheless, let your trust in Christ be stronger and rejoice in Christ who is the victor, and this is a quote, over sin, death, and the world. Perhaps Luther's advice extended as well to the townspeople. Philip, I imagine him saying, do what you must to curb the violence but do so always in the spirit of compassion, understanding, and love. 
We know that Luther later returned. First, he came disguised as Knight George, where he grew a beard much bigger than mine to disguise himself and observe what was happening in Wittenberg. But when he finally returned as himself clean-shaven, he stepped up into a pulpit not unlike ours and rightly condemned the violence and rightly preserved, unlike other Protestant churches, not only the understanding of the sacrament as the body and blood of Christ, but also the beautiful iconography that can point us to faith in this Christ. Either way, whether Luther was addressing church reform or the violence in Wittenberg, his advice to Philip remains the same. Whatever you decide, he said, proceed with conviction, accepting that your strategy may be wrong, but trusting nevertheless in the forgiveness and grace God grants you in Jesus Christ. I'm very proud of this part of the Lutheran tradition, that from the beginning, Luther himself, along with Melanchthon, condemned violence as a way of reforming the church. Our tradition has other elements of which I'm not proud, but this one I certainly am. I hope you are too. Cantor Kyle's invitation in this month's quill to sing boldly and believe more boldly still hopefully inspired a few of you to chuckle. It's a clever play on words. Now, in addition to sinning boldly, the way I just described, we should sing boldly. We should proclaim the gospel of Christ's victory over sin and death, not just in speech, but through song. Consider our hymns for today. As we mourn the loss of the people who lo we loved who have died, sons or daughters, husbands or wives, mothers or fathers, friends or other family members, we began our service by singing Alleluia repeatedly. Now that is really strange in the midst of mourning to sing Alleluia. Why on earth would we do that? The answer appears in the third stanza of the hymn when we sing of the saints triumphant that is, those who somehow continue to be sustained even after death by the invincible power of God's love. That is pretty darn good news, right? Death, according to the promises of God in Scripture, does not and will not have the last word. Sing boldly. Something unprecedented has occurred in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through it, if only for a moment in the grand sweep of world history, a glimmer of God's new creation has appeared. And here's the secret nobody's telling you. The new creation not only refers to what the Jews have long called the Messianic Age, a time in the future where we will be reunited with our loved ones and suffering will no longer exist. It also, and perhaps more importantly, refers to a possibility available to us in the present, in the here and now. Even now, 
the resurrection tells us. Even on this side of the grave, we can experience the renewing power of the risen Christ in our own lives. Do you know this power? It's what enabled the Apostle Paul, in spite of debilitating chronic pain, to say of God in Christ, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All things through him who strengthens me. Do you know this power? It's what enabled Martin Luther King to stand up to racial and systemic injustice even though he knew he would very likely be killed. Do you know this power? It's what enables our young people today to face the threat of climate change even as the world burns and even if a sixth extinction is inevitable. Do you know this power? It's the power that enables each one of you to face illness, grief, and chronic pain, trusting that the source of your desire for healing and wholeness rests in the power God gives you to keep going instead of giving up. Yes, gosh, I, we really need call and response in this church. Yes. We can sing Alleluia even in the face of death and even as we mourn, for we experience the renewing power of the risen Christ. Sing boldly and believe more boldly still. Death, my friends, has been defeated. Keep it going. I love it. Our hymn of the day likewise proclaims, by the way, you're a lot more awake, awake than our eight o'clock service was, <laughs> I have to say. Our hymn of the day likewise proclaims alleluia in the face of death, albeit without using the word. Here we gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. What an image. The river, of course, represents time. We walk along its banks for just a few short years, only to join those who have died before us in its ever-flowing stream. The book of James captures the sentiment perfectly. What is your life, the author asks, for you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Hear that again. What is your life, for you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Here, however, the river is more than just a symbol of time. It also, strangely enough, brings comfort. Think of how its flowing sounds can soothe the soul. It's not simply a place where people go to be reminded of their mortality. It's a place where people go to be with God, the alpha and the omega, the beginning of the stream and the end of it. Soon we'll reach the shining river, we sing accordingly in stanza four. Soon our pilgrimage will cease. Soon our happy hearts will quiver with the melody of peace. Do you notice here what Robert Lowry, the author of this hymn, has done? In the stroke of a single sentence, he transforms the image of death as something horrifying to be feared 
into that which somehow brings peace, especially when all other options for healing in this world have been exhausted. When I wrote that line, I thought of the many people, both in my personal life and in this congregation, who have died because of cancer, where their options for healing had been exhausted. For many years, I have appreciated Paul's description of death as the enemy of God. When someone says to a bereaved parent that God took their now deceased son or daughter home, we should go back to Paul. Shame on you, I almost want to say. God does not want death any more than we do. But I have since learned there are exceptions. When death brings an end to incurable suffering, for example, then it comes as a gift. Soon our pilgrimage will be over, we sing in our hymn of the day. Soon our hearts will quiver with the healing melody of peace. This line captures death itself as not simply bad, but in some cases, healing and that which brings peace. Our sending hymn for the 1030 service reminds us once more that death will not have the last word. Unlike the hymn of the day, however, it offers a sharper contrast between the turmoil of the present age and the life in the world to come. Indeed, stanza four reminds us that the triumph song of God's victory over death is distant such that we can barely hear it amidst the noise of our daily lives which is all the more reason you should come to church. That turns up your hearing. But then there are breaks. But then there breaks a yet more glorious day. We sing in line six of our sending hymn. The saints triumphant rise in bright array, and the king of glory passes on his way. Let me repeat that. But then there, are, there breaks a more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array, and the king of glory passes on his way. What a powerful affirmation, especially in the face of death. But then there breaks a yet more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array, and the king of glory passes on his way. It's said, and I've shared this story before, that when Martin Luther's 13-year-old daughter Magdalena died, he stood up at the, uh, the wedding, at the funeral, and shouted, there will be a resurrection. Death will not have the last word. So then, Martin Luther, what should we do? We should sing boldly. Sing boldly. It's the play on words Kyle used in reference to the famous advice Luther gave Melanchthon, sin boldly, he wrote, as if to say, you must make difficult decisions when it comes to, say, reforming the church. That said, let your trust in Christ be stronger and rejoice in Christ, who again is the victor over sin, death, and the world. Sin boldly in these terms, yes, to which we add on this day of all saints, sing boldly, for love has won. It is accomplished. Your sins are forgiven. You have been absolved and death 
Death has lost its sting. Death does not have the last word. May we all this day and every Sunday sing boldly and because of what we sing, believe more boldly still. And all God's people said. We turn now to page nine. Let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 
of the Dead is one that I always uh, pay attention to, thanks to my friend Michael Zabarschuk, who pointed it out. It means, as I interpret it, that resurrection is something we can experience in this life, as well as the life to come. We continue with our commemoration of the faithfully departed. We give you thanks, O Lord our God, for all your servants and witnesses of times past. saints and martyrs time. In your mercy, give us as you gave them the hope of salvation and the promise of everlasting life. We will in a moment remember those who have passed away. We invite you uh, to participate in this as you feel so moved. Please be sure to speak up after which the bell will will be rung. We remember those who together stood with us at the foot of the cross, who heard the Easter truths at the empty tomb, who have gone before us into the depth and mystery of God. Ruth Gormley. Tim Moody. Cameron Stephan. Minda Unseth. Dick Tallman. Jack Elliott. Bob Bishop. 
For the prayers of the church, we invite you to be seated or kneel, whichever your preference. United with your saints across time and place, we pray for our shared world. God of time and bells that toll, our faith has been passed down through the generations. Bless new believers, the newly baptized, and any affirming their faith in you, that they share what they have first received. Lord, in your mercy. God of tempest and tide, our world is full of dazzling beauty and brutal destruction. Protect us and all your creatures from hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, and fires. Restore what has been lost. Lord, in your mercy. God of tranquility and truth, bring peace to the nations. Raise up leaders with integrity, honesty, and compassion. Inspire diplomacy. Unite our elected officials in shared goals that benefit and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy. God of tumult, you sustain and guide your people when the way forward is uncertain. Be present to everyone going through transitions at work, school, or in their personal lives. Bring healing to those who are sick. Reassure us of your constant presence in the midst of change. Lord, in your mercy. God of togetherness, deepen the relationships that are built at Queen Anne Lutheran. Form us as a community where tears of sorrow and shouts of joy can both be shared. Lord, in your mercy. For whom or what else do the people of God pray? Lord, in your mercy. God of loving kindness, we pray for each person gathered here this morning, that you be with them in their joys and struggles, that you give them the eyes to see and ears to hear of your presence and word among us. We pray especially for the family of Ruth 
Gormley, for Candy, for the family of Todd Bishop, for Christian, for Shana, for Matthew, for Kirsten, for Kathleen, for the Porters, for Finley, Kirsty, for the family of Michael, for the Vega family, for Elena, for the Unseths, for Jessica and her parents, John's friend, for Christine, David, Jim, Carol, Mary, Hildy. We pray for Denny, Barb, Lee, Ben. We pray for Richard. We pray for Jan. We pray for Jean McLaughlin. And we pray for Awatash and Lulugeta. Lord, in your mercy. God of tenderness, we give thanks for all who have died in the faith with the assurance of the resurrection. Console our mourning spirits with the promise of your never-ending presence, especially in the transition from life to death and from death to new life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Accept these prayers, gracious God, and those known only to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please rise now for the great thanksgiving as you are able. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is our duty and delight that we should everywhere and always offer thanks and praise to you, O God, through Jesus Christ, who calls us to follow his way of humble service and love. And so with the church on earth, all creation and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body given for you, do this 
for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. In this place of grace, all are invited to the table of grace. If you wish to receive a blessing in place of the Eucharist, simply fold your arms. For those of you communing in the pews, I invite you at this time to take out your communable and receive at my direction. Christ is among us. You are his body. Receive the bread of life. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Susan, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Let us pray. God of the abundant table, you have refreshed our hearts in this meal with bread for the journey. Give us your grace on the road ahead that we might serve our neighbors with joy for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Once again, welcome to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. It is a pleasure to see you. As I look out at you today and as I surveyed the room for our forum earlier, 
I thought to myself, we have something really special here, and I'm glad to be part of it as your pastor. If you ever need to reach me or Kyle, we have a change with regard to our um, office policy. We discovered that setting defined office hours was perceived as too limiting, and so we want you to know that we will be available, me, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, as well as Saturdays. If you wish to stop by, I would recommend calling first in case I'm out on visitation, for example. But I will be in the office quite a bit and have been since the pandemic, as far as I know, ended. So um, please, if those times don't work for you, always know that I'm here for you. If you need to see me for anything, just make an appointment if that doesn't fit your schedule and we'll work something out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I did want to, as I did in the sermon, plug the quill. A lot of you know, uh, we've had one person say that Barb Bash is the best parish administrator this congregation has ever had. Hands down, right? Hands clapped. She came in on her uh, Saturday, which is a day off for her, to finish the quill so that you all could take a look at it. And I wanted to highlight it because there's a lot of work that goes into this little uh, weekly church newsletter, which isn't so little given all the programming that we have. So please, if you haven't already, be sure to check it out online. You can also pick up a paper copy in the narthex. Next, uh, we had a wonderful forum today with uh, Dr. Jeff Robbins. Um, Christian nationalism, Christian nationalism as zombie apocalypse. I counted about 25 people in the room plus another 10 or 11 online. That's pretty good for a uh, post-pandemic forum. So uh, let us continue in that way. On November 13th, we'll have a forum next week on the Luther we never knew. Luther's birthday is November 10th, hence the forum. But also, uh, I recently, as you know, uh, was a uh, faculty member for Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary. I used my vacation time to teach there. And what I want to do now is bring back to you what I learned as part of that forum uh, in terms of new research, etc. So please, join us next Sunday for The Luther We Never Knew and see if you can stump the pastor. I highly doubt it. I know everything about Luther. Next, uh, we have uh, a number of opportunities to reach out to our community. Uh, for example, buy a bag of groceries. You'll see that information for Queen Anne Helpline's Thanksgiving grocery drive list out in the narthex. We also are invited once again to feed the hungry uh, when it comes to community lunch on Capitol Hill. This is a near 40-year tradition for Queen Anne Lutheran. If you're hesitant about volunteering, please know that you'll not be feeding people in person, that is to say, uh, giving them food to eat on the premises. You'll simply be handing out pre-packaged bags of food for people to consume off-site. So if you can join us for any of these coming Tuesdays, we would certainly welcome to see you there. And uh, I can tell you from my own experience, it's a very gratifying uh, opportunity to serve others who are in need. Sally Gormley, Ruth Gormley's daughter, has asked me to uh, share with you that there will be a viewing on Saturday, <clears throat> November 12th from 12 to 5 p.m. at Evergreen Washelli. 
Ruth, as you know, was a rather unique individual. She was uh, a lover and creator of art. I have a couple of her uh, artworks uh, that she gave me over the years. Uh, she was also um, uh, very supportive of Pastor Christie and the Church of the Steadfast Love. And so for her funeral, as well as her committal, the day after, on uh, the afternoon of the 13th, I will be presiding over the funeral service here with casket. The casket will then be taken to Evergreen Washelli, and Pastor Christie will do the committal there. So that's at 2 p.m. next Sunday, November 13th. Please join us. If you can't, please keep Ruth's family in your prayers and thoughts. Joel, would you please come forward with an announcement? Good morning. What I have to say is not in the quill and not in today's worship folder. I have heard your grumbling about the coffee. <laughs> and you have good reason to grumble because that coffee has been in the church for two and a half years. That was ordered before the pandemic lockdown. But fear not and rejoice, for fresh coffee is coming. With the, with the parish assistant's help on Tuesday, I ordered coffee and I've ordered chocolate. Lutheran World Relief, through its farmer's market, is now offering not only coffee, but chocolate. So, as soon as that stuff arrives, we'll start selling again. So now there's good news and bad news about this, and I'll give you the bad news first. The chocolate is over twice as much as the equal exchange chocolate that we used to sell prior to the pandemic. Not only that, it's a smaller bar. 70 grams versus 80 grams for equal exchange stuff. And it's $6 a bar. I'm sorry. Um, but we're going to work with this because Lutheran World Relief really does a good job for the farmers, farmers who um, raise cacao plants and raise the plants that make coffee beans for our coffee. Um, so we hope we can bring back that support that we had prior to the pandemic. And we'll talk about this more next Sunday. Thank you. Joel has instructed me to give him a chance to get back to the choir, and so I want to use this time to thank uh, everyone who uh, has helped in our service today. There are so many loose ends. For example, as we were just about to process, I told our, our crucifer, go, go, and Joel says, no, wait, wait, wait. She has to go with the music, or the, the, the lyrics. And I thought, wow, thank you. That's another one of these little moving pieces that, that come together. And it's because of all of you that this happens, whether it's the ushers, the choir, whether it's the assisting minister, our acolyte for today, all of you help make this possible. So thank you um, for being here today and thank you for helping uh, make this engine run. Candy, you have your hand up. 
Wonderful. So did everybody hear that? There is a pile of chocolate chip cookies as well as water or coffee waiting for you in the narthex afterward. Please join us for fellowship. It's no host, so you have to pour your own. Welcome to self-service Lutheranism. I invite you please now to rise for the blessing. And now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Our recessional hymn for all the saints is number 422 in the red hymnal. Stanza three will be sung by the choir. Sing boldly. Mm -hmm. 